This podcast contains discussion about adult topics. Use your judgment if there are little ears around. Also be aware that this podcast contains discussion about sexual crimes and legal procedures that might follow. Take care when listening. Welcome to Doing It. This is a podcast made by Family Planning Victoria. FPV has been running for over 50 years now. We run lots of education programs for communities and medical professionals across Victoria. We also run sexual health clinics in the city and Box Hill in Melbourne. My name is Anne. I'm part of the FPV schools and community team. We go to schools and run classes for all year levels on bodies, growing up, puberty, sex, relationships and reproduction. This podcast is for parents and carers of school-aged children so we can share what goes on in a relationships and sexuality education class and help support these sorts of conversations at home. Today, I'll be talking to Claire from Victorian Legal Aid. Victorian Legal Aid provides many services in order that all Victorians have access to legal information and representation if required. Educating young people about the law is part of their prevention strategy. The laws regarding consent, pornography and sexting are things we get asked about frequently by students as part of a relationships and sexuality education class. Young people generally want to stay out of trouble. We were discussing in class that for a sexual experience to be great, it must happen within the law and it also should match with their own personal values. We are lucky enough to talk with Claire about the laws that apply to sex. This episode is going to cover the laws around age of consent, pornography and grooming. I'm going to record a separate episode about sexting laws coming up next time. Please note that these laws are applicable to Victoria, Australia. Laws can be different in other states and territories in Australia and internationally. Claire, thank you so much for talking to me today. I'm going to ask you some questions about your work. First one, can you quickly explain the work that you do at Victorian Legal Aid? Yep, so I'm a senior youth advocate at Victoria Legal Aid, which means that I work with young people who've been charged with criminal offences and are finding themselves before the court, and I represent them in court. And so often in the case of young people, my work is about trying to avoid them getting a criminal record. Um, when they've gotten into trouble. So for example, by referring them to special diversion programs where they do things to make up for their offending. And I also do work to prevent young people from getting into trouble with the law, such as community legal education, where we go into schools and explain the law to young people. And what sort of information do young people want to know about the laws around sex? Um, Young people tend to want to understand what the laws around sex and relationships actually are, because they can be quite complicated and what those laws mean for them and for their relationships. And they also want to know what's going to happen to them if they do break those laws. Sometimes they want to know as well why the laws are the way they are, especially if they perceive a gap between their ways of living and what the law says. So a gap between the way that they normally behave in relationships and the laws. And that's something that often comes up around the topic of sexting, which I know you're going to discuss in a future episode. Yeah. Do you think um, knowing about the law changes their behaviour? I think having awareness about what the laws are certainly can change behaviours in some circumstances and can give um, young people a better understanding of 
uh, why the laws have been made the way they are and often that those laws are designed to protect them. Yeah, I think that's a, a real key thing that they want to know. They think they might get in trouble, but yeah, to understand that their protection, not um, punitive, is, is helpful. Can you explain the age of consent laws? You said they are confusing and they, they are quite long-winded and they're different in Victoria to other states. Maybe touch on uh, how they're different in other states also. Yeah, so the age of consent, just to make sure everyone understands that, first of all, is the age that a person can legally give their consent to engage in sexual activity with another person. And consent, in a nutshell, sort of means free agreement. And the law in Victoria says that that consent has to be actually communicated through words or actions. Um, it's not okay for one person just to assume that the other person is consenting. The other person has to actually um, communicate their consent um, through words or through actions. So it's not enough to, to do nothing. Consent needs to be communicated and it needs to be free agreement. Um, and that's the same for both, both people involved in the, in the relationship. So nodding, nodding of a head or some sort of um, body response would be considered consent? Um, it can be. So um, actions can be a way of communicating consent. So nodding, smiling can be a way of communicating consent as well as using words, but it has to be communicated and it has to be free agreement. So if someone's not communicating at all, then there is no consent there. And the age of consent is time defined by the law um, and it's designed to protect young people from being sexually exploited or abused by older people and that's to ensure that young people are mature enough to understand and safely participate in sexual activities. Um, so that's the age from which young people can um, give their consent. So in Victoria that age of consent is 16 and that's the same for both same-sex and heterosexual relationships. Um, so that means that a 15-year-old can't legally consent to being in a relationship with a 30-year-old. And that's even if the 15-year-old wants to be in that relationship or agrees to being in it, the law says that they actually can't give their consent. And if that happened, then the 30-year-old in that scenario could get charged with a very serious crime. In and, most the, and the young person would not be charged? In that scenario, no, the young person would not be charged. It would be the older person who would be charged uh, because the young person legally can't give their consent to be in that relationship. So in most other states, 16 is the age of consent as well, but there are some states of Australia, um, so South Australia and Tasmania, where the age of consent is 17. Um, so that's something that's really important for young people who are living in border areas, so on the South Australian-Victorian border, for example, to be aware of, or for any young person who's travelling interstate to be aware of those differences um, in South Australia and Tasmania. So if a young person was travelling, the laws of the area apply? That's right. So the laws of wherever you are apply. There are some exceptions to that um, where uh, laws can apply to actions that happen even outside of a country. So for if, if the victim is in Victoria, for example, it doesn't matter if um, another person is interstate and that's the sort of thing that happens where you have, say, online um, offending, for example, okay. um, that in that case, not as long as one person, the victim is in Victoria, then the other person can still be charged. Um, so there's also some exceptions to the age of consent for younger people um, and some additional laws um, for people who are in positions of care or authority, um, like teachers or sports coaches. 
So I'm happy to explain the laws in Victoria a bit more thoroughly if you'd like yes. me to. Um, so I won't go into other states now because yep. it can get a bit confusing, um, but it's important to be aware of that what I'm about to talk about applies to Victoria um, and the exceptions and additional laws can be different in other states. Again, just as the age of consent is a bit different in some of the other states. So in Victoria, there is an exception to the age of consent for sexual activity and exploration between young people who are, are of the same or a similar age. But there are some important rules that apply again to that exception. So it, it is something that young people need to be very aware of. So firstly, for the sexual activity to be legal, both of the young people need to be at least 12 years old. There can be no legal sexual activity with a young person who's under 12 years old. And secondly, the older person in the partnership must be no more than 24 months exactly older than the younger person. If there's more than a 24 month age gap, then the older person can be charged with a sexual offence. So that means, for example, that a 14 year old can legally have a sexual relationship with a 15 year old, so long as obviously both of them consent and give their free agreement. Um, they, the age of consent, there is an exception to allow that 14 and 15 year old to have a sexual relationship. And that 24 month age gap applies from 12 right up until their 16th birthday? Yes, that's right. Um, but also, so for example, a 17 and a half year old would be able to legally have a sexual relationship with a 16 year old. Um, so we, where one of the people is in that um, age bracket of 12 to 16, then that two year age gap applies. So for example, a 17 year old could not um, legally have a, le a sexual relationship with a 13 year old, or a 17 year old couldn't have one with a 14 year old because there's more than that 24 month age gap, even though one of them is over 16, if that makes sense. Yep. So if a 17 year old had a sexual relationship with a 13 year old, then the 17 year old could be charged with an offence. And that's a very serious offence. So if either person is aged between 12 and 16, it's really important to make sure that the um, older person is no more than 24 months older than the younger person. And there's also um, some additional laws that apply to 16 and 17 year olds in situations where uh, the other person is in a position of supervision, care or authority. Those laws are again designed to protect young people. Um, so people who are in positions of caring for young people or supervising young, young people, such as teachers or sports coaches or medical practitioners, cannot engage in sexual activity with a 16 or 17 year old who's under their care or supervision or authority, even if the 16 or 17 year old agrees. So even though 16 is the age of consent, there's then that extra law for 16 and 17 year olds where there's a the other person is in a position of care or authority over them and that's to protect those younger people and to ensure the safety of the younger people mm -hmm. and that um, doesn't apply after someone turns 18 no so after someone turns 18 that doesn't apply there are still um, potentially ethical questions um, for that sort of situation and, and also potentially professional boundaries um, certainly doctor, for example, in a relationship with a patient, there might be professional ethical boundaries that they're breaching, mm. but there's a law in the same way as there is with 16 and 17 year olds. And of course, that also applies to younger people as well. Uh, it's just that because the age of consent is 16, the law specifically provides for that um, 16 and 17 year olds. So those age limits aside, there are occasions where consent can't be granted. For example, if a person's affected by alcohol or been tricked or forced into having sex. 
And a question we're often asked is, well, what if both people are affected by alcohol? Uh, what happens yes. there? So what are those exceptions and, and what might play out uh, with some of them? So that's a really, really good question. Um, and it, that comes back to consent meaning free agreement. And also consent needs to be communicated and it needs to be ongoing throughout the sexual activity. So a person can decide partway through sexual activity that they don't want to continue. And if they decide that and communicate that, then the, there's no more consent. Um, so, and as we said before, consent has to be actively communicated through words or actions as well. Um, so being drunk or, or drug affected doesn't necessarily remove a person's ability to consent, but the important thing is how affected they are, how impaired they are by drugs or alcohol. If both people are drunk or both people are drug affected, but they can still understand the nature of what they're doing and who they're doing it with, and they still both freely agree to the sexual activity um, and both want to be involved in that sexual activity and understand it, then there won't be a problem with consent. But the law says that a person um, has not consented if they become so affected by alcohol or drugs that they're no longer capable of giving their consent. So they can no longer freely agree to or freely reject sexual acts. Uh, because, or they can no longer understand the nature of the sexual act that they're engaging in. And they can't consent prior to getting drunk? No, so consent needs to be ongoing. So if they um, consent pr um, prior to uh, getting drunk and then they become so affected by alcohol um, or drugs that they can't continue to give their consent throughout the sexual activity, then there won't be any consent. So there might be a situation where someone initially consents to sexual activity when they're sober or mildly affected by drugs or alcohol, and then they um, become more affected and they're no longer capable of withdrawing their consent. And in that case, the law says that they haven't consented. So it is something that's really important for young people to be aware of. And if a person was to initiate or continue sexual activity with another person when that person is no longer capable of consenting, then um, the person who's initiated or continued that sexual activity could certainly be charged with um, a very serious sexual offence and offences as serious as rape. So what does happen if, rule, if laws around consent are broken? What would happen next? Who would get in trouble? How would someone report? And how likely is it that uh, it would end up in court or with a conviction? If a person experiences sexual behaviour that they didn't give their consent to, um, then that's sexual assault. And the person who's been assaulted might feel very uncomfortable, they might feel very threatened, they might feel scared. And if they're still feeling in danger, then um, they should call triple zero for immediate help. Um, and there's also 15 centres for sexual assault across Victoria um, and a sexual assault crisis line that can be contacted 24 hours um, for a person who finds themselves in that situation. Reporting a sexual crime is often something that's very, very challenging for people. And those centres against sexual assault can help people who are survivors of sexual crimes um, to think through their options and, to, and can also support them through that reporting process. Medical care is really, really important after an assault. So survivors should try to get to a hospital, medical centre or crisis centre as soon as they possibly can. And police might potentially recommend a forensic medical examination, which can help to preserve evidence and that can then later be used in court. Or it might also be able to identify the perpetrator if the perpetrator is a stranger. 
Um, so the sooner that a crime happens, the easier it is for police to investigate it. But that's not to say that it's ever too late to report a sexual assault. So it, it is never too late to report a sexual assault. And, and there are certainly many instances where they're not reported until many years after the incident. The sooner it's reported though, um, it will be more likely that the person who committed the assault will be able to be charged and brought to court as there'll be more evidence that will be able to be preserved. That said though, there are certainly instances where people who have committed an assault many, many, many years ago are still charged and successfully prosecuted. Um, so if a person is charged, then they will be required to attend court and for adult sexual offences frequently do result in jail terms and also in mandatory sex offender registration. For children, um, the results can be quite different. So in some cases, uh, it still results in terms of detention, but in some cases, um, the outcomes focus on therapeutic treatment to prevent a child from engaging in similar offending in the future um, and to uh, ensure that they receive the counselling and treatment that they need. But certainly in very serious cases, even involving youth, um, it can result in detention or jail terms. Um, the court does have discretion to decide whether or not to put a young person on the sex offenders register, whereas with adults, um, it's a mandatory uh, registration process. Okay. And if someone was to go to be listed on the sex offenders register, how long does that last? That depends on the type of offence. So it can last for life or in some cases it may last for a period of time such as 15 years. So it depends on the kind of offence and also the number of offences for which the person's been convicted. Okay, and for under 18s, that's discretionary? For under 18s, it is discretionary. Um, so the court has the option to decide to put, place them on the register or not place them on the register. Uh, but certainly it is a possible, possible outcome even for under 18s. Would a young person have to go to court if, if it was a if there were a charge would they actually have to physically go to court yes they would they would need yep. to physically go to court um, and they would go through a full court process first thing that would happen is that um, they would be most likely interviewed by police um, and if a young person's ever going to be interviewed by police it's really important for them to get legal advice prior to that interview and that's something that the police actually have to do is offer them the opportunity to get legal advice um, and taking up that opportunity is really, it's a really important right for a young person to make sure they've spoken to a lawyer before they're interviewed by the police. And then they would be charged. Um, and at that, at that point, they um, might either be released on bail or they might be, um, the police might try to remand them in custody, just depending on the, the nature of the offending. Um, and then if, so if the police did try to remand them in custody, then uh, again, they have the opportunity of speaking to a lawyer and a bail application could be made. And then um, the court process would include uh, potentially that, that have mention dates at court and then it may include a plea of guilty or it may include them being referred to one of these uh, therapeutic treatment options um, or it may include them being pleading not guilty, so fighting the charges through court. So it really does vary depending on the circumstances. Mm. You might not be able to answer this off the top of your head, but what do you think the percentage of cases with an accusation end up in court? Uh, I wouldn't know off the top of my head um, what the percent, the percentage of, of, I think certainly what I can say is that the percentage has increased 
um, so both with family violence and also sexual offences, we certainly see an increase in the number of um, matters that are brought by Victoria Police to court. Mm -hmm. um, they certainly, in all instances, will investigate. Frequently, those matters are brought to court, but I couldn't give you a percentage, I'm sorry. And moving on to the laws re relating to pornography, what, what laws are there about young people seeing pornography or being shown pornography? Yeah, so generally it's not illegal for someone who's under 18 to view pornography. Um, and really important to know that we're talking about pornography, not child pornography here. So um, it's not generally illegal for someone who's under 18 to view pornography on the internet. But technically it is illegal to upload a video of someone having sex online uh, because those are satisfy, uh, usually classified as X18 plus or RC, which means refused classi uh, classification. Um, it's extremely illegal to view pornography if the people in the video are under the age of 18 or appear to be under the age of 18. And that's child pornography or also known as child, child abuse material. And that's very serious offending um, and something that Andrew's going to discuss with you in the future mm. episode. So this sort of crosses over with um, yeah, what we'll be talking about with the sexting episode and viewing child, viewing or creating child sexual abuse material. It's also illegal to show pornography to a child. So for an adult to show pornography to a child or to force a child to watch pornography or to sell pornography to a child. Um, so young people under the age of 18 are not allowed to go into venues either that show X18 plus rated films. Um, so while they're not going to get in trouble for sort of accessing it on the internet um, at home themselves, uh, pornography that is not child abuse material, um, they won't be allowed to go into venues that show it. Um, and also um, it's illegal to show to a, uh, pornography to a child or to force them to watch it. So if two young people are in the schoolyard and one showed another pornography, would, would either of them get in trouble? Yeah, so in that instance, um, what we talked about before with the um, ages would actually apply. So if those young people were of a similar age and if it was just uh, showing it to another similar age child and there was no other untoward behaviour. So for example, if there was harassment or if there was force um, or something of that nature involved, then certainly the young person who's showing it to the other young person could get in trouble for that. But if it's two young people um, agreeing to watch the pornography together, um, then that would not be a problem so long as they're not of that age difference. So again, um, those age differences that we talked about before, the 24-month age gap, would apply to this kind of scenario as well. So for example, it would be uh, illegal for a 15-year-old uh, to show a 12-year-old pornography, um, or it would be illegal for a 17-year-old to show a 13-year-old pornography. Um, because that could amount to sexual activity um, or with a child or engaging in sexual activity in front of a child. Those age gaps again apply. If it's two similar age children though, um, then no, unless there's force or untoward behaviour, they're not likely to get in trouble. Certainly if a teacher or a parent was to show pornography to a child, then they absolutely could get in trouble with that uh, for engaging in sexual activity with that child um, or uh, participating in sexual activity in front of the child. It definitely leads into sort of what we talk about in class, that any exchange of sexual images or seeing sexual images is sexual activity. Just That's because right. no one's touching each other doesn't mean it's not a sexual activity. 
That's right, exactly. So um, viewing pornography um, can certainly be a sexual activity and that's it, does, it doesn't have to involve that physical contact for it to be a sexual activity. Can you tell me about grooming laws uh, and can a young person be charged with grooming? Yeah, so grooming is when an adult uh, engages in predatory uh, conduct with a child who's under the age of 16 or uh, where an adult um, engages in predatory contact with the parent or guardian or carer of a child who's under the age of 16. So the victim can actually be the parent or it can, it can be the child. Um, and the idea behind grooming is that what that adult is doing is trying to lure that child into later sexual activity with um, either the adult who's doing the grooming in the first place or with another adult. And it can happen in person or it might also happen online. So for an, ex an example of it happening in person would be um, an adult striking up a friendship with the parent of a child with the aim of later abusing that child. So creating that friendship really for the purpose of, of abusing the child or uh, an adult creating a friendship with a child in an online forum with the idea of uh, in in luring that child into sexual activity down the track. And so the sexual contact doesn't actually have to happen for grooming to have happened? No, grooming is about the uh, intent of engaging that child in later sexual activity. For example, someone who is an adult who is trying to lure a child into sexual activity through an online forum might not ever actually engage in that. They might be caught before they ever actually engage in the sexual activity, but they can still be charged with grooming if there's enough evidence to show that that's what they were intending to do. And could a young person be charged with that? You'd said it was just for adults, is that right? Um, so in Victoria, only people who are 18 years or over can be charged with grooming offences. And it's important to understand that that's one of those offences where um, like I spoke about earlier, the um, perpetrator might actually be outside Victoria. So as long as the victim is in Victoria at some point during the grooming behaviour, um, the person who's doing the grooming might be in Victoria, they might be overseas, they might be interstate. It really doesn't matter where they're located. And this is obviously particularly important in um, the age of the internet. Uh, that that person may well be located in a very different location, but they're still committing an offence under Victorian law if the victim is located in Victoria. And we would definitely say that learning about relationships and sexuality is a protective factor in, in young people being able to identify that sort of um, predatory behaviour. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if young people are aware of that that is a risk of um, online chat forums in particular, then that's something that they can be aware of and also that they can report if it's yeah. something that they do encounter so being able to to feel um, that they've got the trust of the adults around them to come to them and also the trust of police if they do encounter that kind of activity online. Um, you mentioned in your teacher training that I completed recently uh, that information about these laws should be embedded into relationships and sexuality education and other relevant school programs. What do you want to achieve by educating young people about the laws around sex? Um, so what we want is for young people to understand both their rights and their responsibilities in sexual activities and in sexual relationships. Um, so we're not there to judge young people for their choices. 
but we're there to, uh, to ensure that they understand what the law says about sex um, and what can happen if those laws are broken because certainly if those laws are broken then there can be lifelong consequences both for young people and also for adults. Um, so we also hope to empower people who may have experienced sexual assault um, to come forward and to seek help and also to educate them about where they can seek help. Um, and I do have some phone numbers as well that I'm happy to give you or you've quite possibly already got them um, for where people can seek help. I hope to prevent young people from committing sexual offences by educating them about the law and the legal and personal consequences that can flow when offences are committed because so often we might focus on the legal consequences, but the personal and social consequences obviously can be enormous as well. And so we'd like to, to help everyone to understand both what the law says and, and if those laws are broken, um, what the consequences can be. Mm. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I'll get those uh, numbers and references off you and I'll put them in the show notes. Right. Um, that's fantastic. Thanks so much for talking to me today, Claire. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much to Claire for all that information. Here's some key things which stood out in this discussion for me. Laws around sex are in place to protect young people, not to get them in trouble. Consent must be clearly communicated in any sexual experience using words or gestures. Showing another person pornography can be considered sexual activity, so age limits follow the age of consent guidelines. It's helpful for young people to understand that grooming is an offence, even if no sexual contact has happened. Some resources to have a look at. You can go to Victorian Legal Aid for easy-to-understand explanations of the law. Victorian Legal Aid have created an education kit for teachers called Sex, Young People and the Law. Youth Law Australia provides information for all states and territories in Australia. Victoria Police provides information on reporting a sexual crime. You can have a listen to our previous episode on consent for more details on how we talk about this with young people. Claire recommends Kids Helpline, Sexual Assault Crisis Line run by CASA. And for more information on Family Planning Victoria, go to fpv.org.au. I'll add all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. You could follow FPV on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Contact us directly at doingit at fpv.org.au. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.